American soccer fans, welcome to episode 86 of the Stars and Stripes SC podcast. Donald Wine here, manager of Stars and Stripes SC, your source for all things U.S. national teams, the players that comprise them, and everything else surrounding the game of soccer in America. Welp, unfortunately, this podcast comes to you with the United States out of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Their run ended on Saturday with a 3-1 loss to the Netherlands in the round of 16. We do have to discuss that match. And, of course, after the break, we will start to look towards the future of what we can expect from the men's national team program as we look forward to the 2026 World Cup. Let's talk about the game. Uh, It took place, again, on Saturday. It was at Khalifa International Stadium in Al Ryan, Qatar. The United States facing the Netherlands in the round of 16. Obviously, the United States coming in with a lot of confidence, having gotten out of the group, Group B, in second place, uh, had not lost a game, was the only team in the tournament to not give up a goal in the field of play during the group stage. And they started out with some confidence early, and and we had an early chance by Christian Pulisic, but he missed it, and that could have set the tone for the United States. He kind of looked surprised that he was that wide open, and the Dutch keeper made the save on the shot. Unfortunately, the way these things go, the Netherlands were just kind of bunkering down and trying to figure out when a time was to strike. And just a couple minutes after that ballistic chance, they did strike. And, and Memphis Depay, off of a great pass from Denzel Dufries in the 10th minute, scores a goal to put the Netherlands up 1-0. Basically, a pass from the corner to right around the penalty spot, and there was nothing that Matt Turner could do on that play. They continued to kind of bunker and, again, have these counterattacks where they had some great passing. Uh, The Netherlands kind of showed that they were a step above the United States at several times during the first half. And, of course, it led to a goal that happened basically right at the stroke of halftime. Daily blend, uh, again, from Denzel Dufries. A throw-in, kind of the same play. Dumfries from the corner, puts it right on the penalty spot, and Daily blend bangs it home in the same corner. Again, nothing that Matt Turner could do on that. It's 2-0, the Netherlands entering halftime. At that point, people are saying, we need to make a rotation. We need to make some switches. We finally see Gio Reyna make his appearance. He comes in at halftime to kind of bring a spark initially, but they just couldn't push through. And the team kept actually finally taking shots but they couldn't actually get anything on frame. And finally, finally, there was a beacon of hope. And that hope came from Haji Wright. Now, Haji Wright had just missed a a shot maybe a couple minutes before, but in the 76th minute, he somehow gets his foot on a Christian Pulisic cross. Christian basically stole the ball, gets it back into the box, has a quick pass to Haji Wright. It was behind him, and somehow Haji Wright It clipped off of his foot, bounces straight up in the air, and lands in the goal for a 2-1 Netherlands lead. But the United States get one back in the 76th minute. Now, everyone at this point is saying, hey, we can do this. We can tie this up, send it extra time with a chance to win it. But again, Denzel Dufries, he absolutely was electric on the night. And in the 81st minute, he scores on a free cross from Daily Blind. I don't I don't know how he was left wide open, but he was point blank range, nailed it into the left corner 
And at the end of the day, the Netherlands end up winning three to one. That's your final score. A lot of things about this team or just about this match and this performance, in my mind, the U.S. men's national team, they gave it everything they had, but they just weren't a real match for the Netherlands who executed their strategy perfectly. Again, they bunkered down. They waited for counters. Louis van Gaal absolutely outclassed, outworked, and outcoached the United States with his game plan. And on top of that, the team looked gassed. Like a lot of these guys just didn't have the legs that they've had during the group stage. And that's expected given that they've been playing, you know, every four days uh, in a match. And a lot of these guys playing every second of that match. So it was, it was a tough go for the United States, but they really, at the end of the day, the Netherlands were just consistent and efficient. They maybe had four or five strong chances on goal and they scored on three of them. So uh, when that happens, what can you do? You can take as many shots as you want. But for the U.S., there was just no finishing. There's a lot of timidness and tightness in the final third. A lot of times trying to look for a pass instead of the shot and not a lot of guys just ripping it. And you had a couple of guys who ripped it and it created some good chances for the United States. But there just wasn't enough of it. And at the end of the day, the United States goes home from Qatar and the Netherlands move on to the quarterfinals. A nice run for the United States. They got out of the group, which is what a lot of people, you know, thought was the baseline. And they showed that they could compete against some of the best teams in the world. They advanced further than any CONCACAF team, but their run ends in the round of 16. So we may be disappointed that our World Cup is over, but there's a lot to be proud of with this young team. And the future is bright. The future is now. And a lot of these guys will stick around. They will get better. They will become older. They will mature. And we'll have some other guys come into the fray and make this where in 2026, this squad can have some realistic expectations of doing super well. And so let's break right there because we're going to talk about the future of the men's national team as we look forward to the 2026 World Cup. So stick around. Right, we are back, and now that the World Cup is in the rear view, at least for the men's national team, it's time to start looking ahead to the next World Cup cycle. Of course, the United States are co-hosting the 2026 World Cup alongside Canada and Mexico, and that tournament is only three and a half years away. The United States will not have to qualify since they are hosting, so the main question surrounding this team is, what kind of matches will they play between now and then? Yes, there will be a lot of friendlies, and the hope is that the United States men's national team takes every opportunity to play matches both here and abroad, and that they challenge themselves by scheduling some of the best teams in the world to mimic what the path to a World Cup title would look like. Because when we enter 2026, realistic or not, that is going to be the expectation, that they compete for a World Cup title on our home soil. There's also some other competitions that can keep them busy between now and then. So let's go through the cycle first and identify the competitions that they will play and also where they could play. Starting off next year, 2023, we obviously have the Nations League. Uh, you'll have complete group play and then you'll have the finals. 
should they qualify? And then next summer, the 2023 Gold Cup. They've already qualified for that, so we will see them in the Gold Cup. We don't know where it will be taking place, but most likely that will take place right here in the United States. In 2024, the U23s will have the Olympics, but there's one tournament out there that is looming, and that is the Copa America. And the United States needs to do what it can to get into that tournament. And for me, I think they need to play that on the road. They don't need to have it moved to the United States. There are several other competitions that can be played in the United States, but the team needs to test itself on the road. Even if this World Cup is at home, that doesn't stop the fact that they can get the same type of lessons learned on the road as they can facing big teams at home. They need to get that experience. They need to play in these hostile environments and they need to play where some of these things just aren't going to be stacked for them. You know, some of these intangibles like the weather, the, the heat, the humidity, the altitude, the grass, the hostile fans, like they need to know that they can play in these conditions in the world cup and they need to be prepared for all possibilities. So I would hope that they are able to get into Copa America, but I would hope that they play that in Ecuador as it is scheduled to be. In 2025, you once again will have the Nations League. You once again will have a Gold Cup. But I feel like as we approach the 2026 World Cup, that year needs to have something to prepare them for the rigors of the World Cup. Maybe play some matches on the road. Maybe schedule a She Believes type tournament like they do for the women. And maybe get some guys in here, get some teams in here that can fill seats and and really pique the interest of people a year early and start that run of getting people motivated and excited to host the world's tournament right here in the United States. And then, of course, 2026, you will have some friendlies, and then it leads up to the World Cup in the summer of 2026. So one of the things that I'm thinking about is for the matches at home, and we will play matches at home. There's no denying that. The idea is for U.S. soccer to really build up the support for this team, not just support that can help fill MLS stadiums. They need to be selling out football stadiums, notably the stadiums that will be hosting tournaments during the World Cup. Make tickets accessible, make them affordable. There's no reason to have a half full stadium where tickets start at $60, where you can sell out a stadium with tickets starting at $10. Get the youth teams involved. Get them into the stadiums. Let's pack these places. And there's no reason why each of the American stadiums that are hosting World Cup matches in 2026 shouldn't get a U.S. match, both the men and the women. You can include the women in this scenario and the opportunity to fill these stadiums to the brim. Use them as tests for these stadiums. See what the logistics are going to look like. See what the parking and the the entry and, and exit are going to look like. Trust me, having been to the World Cup just recently, those logistics are important for every single fan that will attend, and you need to make sure you're knowing what's going to happen, and you need to understand how it's going to do so you can be prepared for 2026. All of these things can help this tournament be the best tournament ever, the biggest tournament ever, and I know FIFA and US US Soccer will want it to be the most profitable because they want people at this tournament, but they need to make sure that all these little intangibles are are down and to do that you need to host matches at these stadiums schedule some big time opponents from every confederation you have no idea who you're going to be facing in your group obviously you're going to have probably a team from europe 
But other than that, you don't know who you could face. And so you should be facing teams from every confederation. Go to them if necessary. Go play them if necessary and get that experience for our players. But in the end, this 2026 cycle is going to be super important. And it's not because there is a a qualifying cycle, because for us, we won't need to qualify. We won't have to participate in that. But we need to figure out a way to get games that will prepare our team to host the World Cup and also to prepare them for the, again, realistic or not, the expectation that we should be contending to win it, not just to do well, not just to get out of the group and cause damage. The expectation for 2026 is that we are contending alongside Brazil, alongside France, England, and those big teams. We are going to be expected to contend for the entire thing. And if we can't do that, then we have done ourselves a disservice. So we have to be starting those preparations now. And no, we have January camp coming up. We'll be playing some difficult teams there, Serbia and Colombia. That will help. But also, again, even when we don't have Nations League, even when we don't have the Gold Cup, make it worth a priority to face some of these teams from every confederation. Go on the road if you need to. And in fact, you should. Because I think all of these are going to help build our guys and really test them so that come 2026, they will be ready. I'm sure we're going to be talking more about the future of the men's national team in the 2026 cycle as we go along. Obviously, stay tuned to starsandstripesfc.com for all the coverage of the World Cup as we conclude there. And also going forward, we have a Women's World Cup next summer. We have a lot of stuff happening in 2023. But for now, that will do it for Episode 86 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we love it. If you like it, subscribe it, rate it, and review it. You know, we will be eternally grateful. Five stars if you are inclined. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, send them to ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. So that will do it for now. So until next time, take care.